Recorded live. Welcome to another week of Scoob Obsessed. We're on episode 12, How to Get Started on Becoming a Scuba Diver. Uh, tonight's news is Human Rights Court Rules Against Vral Maria Divers. Scuba Team Rescues Dog from Hole in Ice. Scuba Diver Girls Free Trapped Horn Shark. Ex-USS Kitty Hawk to Sink. And Signs of Atlantic Disaster 2,000 Years Ago. And you can't blame me for that one. How are you doing tonight, Jim? I am doing splendid. Um, a crazy day ended. We get to talk about some uh, scuba stuff. Uh, it doesn't get better than that. It certainly doesn't. I am so excited and ready to get going. Uh, had a great weekend this last weekend. Uh, had some decompression uh, time with the family up at Wisconsin Dells. Had a great time up there. Played right, in the water park, but yep. Yep. played in the water park and you know in the wave pool. And the whole time there, I'm thinking, you know, if I had my mask and my tank, you know, you <laughs> you'd know, get pitched out of there on your ear. Yeah, well, I, I was I was looking, and you know, in the wave pool, I thought I'd get the camera and I could take pictures of the grill, and but <sighs> no substitute for diving. But it was still a great time. Um, so did you get any diving in last week? I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, we were, we were planning on it and plans just kind of fell through. And then, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, other things came up. So, um, it was an off week for me too. And I'm counting the days and it looks like we're going to be able to get back in on Saturday. So, Uh, yeah. Now, uh, you, you went to, uh, to the, one of the local dive stores they had an open house, uh, and you went with yeah. the club. Uh, how'd that turn out? You know, that was really good. And a uh, um, couple of different things that I took away from that. Number one, we went, and uh, um, some of the gentlemen from the mud club had set up uh, a table there with some information. It's our local dive club, um, and uh, the local dive store is, is semi-sort of affiliated with it. And uh, they were kind enough to let us put uh, put a table up. And, you know, the turnout there was great um i had to drive around and look for a a parking spot a little bit that's usually not the case and there was a lot of people walking through there uh, both the dive store and they also have a marine supply marina uh, store there too and there's a lot of merchandise being carried out the doors so if that's a sign of things to come we're breaking uh breaking through on this economy thing i hope um and people start to spend some more money and, and be able to to do some more diving and boating and and getting out there um saw some neat gear while i was there um and you know i had an adventure when we i tried to dive on the havana a couple of weeks ago that you got to see um so hopefully i picked up some used regulators that hopefully will uh, uh let me uh get some more of that cold weather cold water diving in I noticed that uh, there was a picture of you down there with the regulator hanging around your neck. Uh, so was that, was that an apex? It was. It was. And I think you, you rented uh, that exact same regulator setup. It was uh, a used uh, apex uh, ATX uh, 50, uh, both for primary and secondary. And... Uh, should be a should be a good setup 
I bet it will be. I think you're going to be happy with that one. The Apex, uh, you know, the environmentally sealed, that's going to be a nice regulator for you. I hope so. I'm, I'm going to try it out. Well, that's great. And then uh, you're going to hand the other one down to your uh, son? or? It, well, that sure sounds to be the plan. I think he's already got that worked out. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the direction we're going to be going, I think. Yeah. I'm going to call it a backup. But uh, that's yeah. probably going to be the real case. It's going to be a hand-me-down. Yeah. Well, you can always keep, uh, you know, that reg for you know we need to have uh, something for uh, a bailout. Yep. In the winter, so. Yep. That will that that will be handy. So that's great. Uh, let, let's go ahead and jump into our tonight's topic. Uh, we'll search around for a topic. Uh, we have a guest who will be who was I thought was going to be on the night, but. Just didn't quite work out, so we'll we'll have them on next week, and you know follow the website and us on Facebook, and you'll see who it is. But I, I won't want to tease it till I get the uh, the details pretty much ironed out. But it'll be a nice interview. Um, so what I thought is, since we declared last week the official start to dive season, and for us it never really ends, and I've had some Twitter followers also say that. Dive season for them for them never ends, but you know if you're in Belize, we expect it not to end. <laughs> about about the worst I think you can do is maybe have some stormy days, or uh, I imagine you have a rainy season down there. But we're gonna have you're gonna be diving all year round, so you know that that doesn't really count. We're talking about people who have seasons. If you have four seasons, most likely there's one season that most of our fair weather divers, which it's okay to be a fair weather diver. Uh, they're they're not going to. I'm be not out. saying that's wrong. Being a fair weather diver, no, I've got nothing we'll, against that. No, we'll make fun of you. We would call you wimps or something, but you know you're a diver, so you know you're you're part of the fraternity or sorority, what what have you. So it's it's great, to, you know, get out and dive. But you know, uh, you know, for for you in those tropical regions, yeah, and it's kind of like you know my friends who are down in Florida, and it gets down to 60, and they're wearing a winter coat. You know, what's right. that about? You know, if I was down there, you know, I'm diving all year round up here. If I'm down there, I, I don't know what's more than all year round. I mean, it's like three times a day all year round. Is that what we'd be doing? I don't know. I. It is funny, though. I was talking to a, a guy from Florida, and uh, we we're talking about dive sites coming up on our trip that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And he says, you might not like it there because the water sometimes this time of year might hit, uh, get down in the mid sixties, kind of cool. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the water up here will get that cool or yeah. warm, I guess I should say. Well, warm for us. So, uh, yep. you're, you're taking your wetsuit down there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so I sure am. you're going to be in a seven mil. I mean, if anything, yeah, you're you're gonna oh. be you're gonna I mean in that yeah sixty degree water it won't be bad but some of that warm stuff you got to be just about ready to to peel out. You, you know honestly, um, some of the springs, most of the stuff down there is about seventy two degrees if I remember correctly, and uh, it's really very comfortable in my seven mil down there. You know, once in a while I'll vent some cold water in, uh, but what gets you is the time above water. Um, wow, is that a killer! Um, and I could see, oh, it, well, it's it would be easy to see where somebody could uh, have a problem from the heat when they're on the surface moving their gear around if they're uh, dressed for cooler weather or water. 
certainly could. I, I I know that one dive we did in Gilboa, where we were on the dock there, and uh, it, <laughs> God, I still remember. I, I I don't know how I looked, but I'm picturing a a red ripe tomato, a beet, a, a beet. And isn't that the same time we were all dressed up in uh, the one guy, and I think he was from Russia, wasn't he? Where he uh, he gets in the water and he's only wearing uh, the bottom part of his wetsuit. Yeah, it was. was. Was that it? He, he was. He didn't have anything on up top, and he was perfectly fine. Now, out of the water, I was hot, but in the water, I was just right with a full wetsuit on. Uh, yes. Yeah. He he was wearing that. For- Guess you called a farmer John, and yeah, that was a, that was that, that was a little hardy for me. But so tonight's topic is how to get started in becoming a scuba diver, and that also begs the question of why scuba dive. So if you're listening to this podcast, we assume that you have an interest in scuba diving. Uh, so you, you know, Jim, why don't you say what you know why you scuba dive or what got you into scuba diving? Well, it, why I scuba dive is it's a freedom. Um, it, you can totally uh, engulf yourself in an environment that we were never really meant to be, but we can be there. Um, and it's an experience that I I take I don't want to take for granted uh, the possibility. Why I started uh, it always seemed like a, a fun thing to do. I never did it until my wife uh, bought me a um, an open water class and. That's when I jumped in, and, and uh, then when we tied up, uh, got associated with our local dive club. Uh, the guys at the Mud Club took us under their wings and showed us that you can dive in just about any body of water. And that's when it really kind of bloomed for me that you know this is this is awesome. I can do it whenever I want. Um, totally free at peace. You know, you're you've got the sound of the regulator. You've got the weightlessness of space almost um some of us when our buoyancy is working right that is if it's not it's a horrible it's a horrible crash landing and uh a silt out but um uh, it really is it's a an awesome awesome experience that everybody should try at least once and if uh if you're not hooked hey it's like my kids with trying a new food try it once you don't like it you don't have to go back again but I'll bet you will yeah Exactly. What? What? I mean, other than just watching all the nature shows and seeing scuba divers and being intrigued, the first time I tried scuba diving, it was like flying. I mean, you're 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 floating in the water. You're neutrally buoyant. You're moving around, and you are aware from that first breath you take on that regulator that this is not a place where man is supposed to be, but it's sure great to be there. You can breathe in. Uh, and, and then the aquatic life, whether you're north or whether you're south or in the tropics, there's plenty to see. You can see animals. You can see landscapes. You can see shipwrecks. Uh, some people even make it a career where they're working underwater. So it's just a great activity. And, and, uh, since you're listening to the program, we'll, we'll assume we don't have to do the hard sell and that, you, that you're that you either already a scuba diver, which follow the show notes. You can see how far you want to skip. But, you know, listen and keep us honest. But you're going to, you know, this this is something that's great to try. So 
what what I hope to cover in tonight's topic is the steps you would go about if you haven't been able to, if you haven't tried scuba diving, if you don't have a, a scuba diving friend, you know, how do you get started? And, you know, the first thing I, I recommend is, is do you, do you have a scuba diving friend and talking to them? But in the absence of that, you know, look in the yellow pages, look online and find a dive store and, you know, go, you know, go into the dive store. I mean, you can look on their website, but the website, I mean, some of the best dive stores probably don't have a website that looks anything impressive. So don't, you can't go just on a dive site. And then you can also, on the other hand, you can have a, a dive a website that just looks amazing. And then when you go in the store, you're kind of like, what is this? So you really have to go in the, in, into the, the dive store and, and, Go ahead and visit a few of them. You know, most areas, I mean, up here, uh, within an hour's drive, we've got four or five dive stores. So you do have a choice. Right. Right. And it's, you know, you, you try it out. Um, you try out the people. Uh, and it's, uh, Darren, you mentioned that if you don't have a, a friend that dives, you kind of go in there on your own. And, and, that's not normally something you would do. You normally wouldn't do that for biking, or you normally wouldn't do that. Um, but in this case, uh, scuba, as much as it is a solitary um, pastime that I enjoy underwater, um, I've met a lot of great people and uh, had a lot of uh, terrific experiences with these people above water. And, and a lot of times it's got nothing to do with scuba diving. Um, it's just people I've met through that, and uh, there are more than enough people out there that will take a newcomer under their wing and, uh, you know, help show them the ropes. Uh, it's it's really a great community. It certainly is, and when you get into the the dive store, you know, the the, the first thing is how much is this going to cost, and honestly. Every good dive shop should have a Discover Scuba Diving class. And what the Discover Scuba Diving is, it's not your certification. You won't be a certified diver when you get done with this. It's typically going to be something you sign up for. Most shops are going to have one or two days or nights a month where you're going to be able to do this. And what they'll do is they get they have a local pool. Either Some shops will have a pool in the facility. Some will use a local Y or a health club or a school pool. And they're going to have the gear set up. And the whole idea is just to get you familiar. So uh, I, I caution you, you know, don't spend money you don't have to spend. If you get in and they're already trying to sell you a trip and a package and all the gear, you know, they're going too fast, find another, another place. What you want to do is you actually want to get in and try it. So sign up for one of these Discover Scuba Diving. Most of them up here are free when they do it. Uh, I think I might have paid 20 or $25 for mine, and that might have been to offset. You know, they had some, some places have to rent uh, a pool or something. So, you know, if you do have to pay a little bit of money, it's fine. But if they're saying $150 for discover scuba go look find someplace else yeah there's and and a lot of times they'll run a seasonal um a seasonal special on that too um you know there's uh, 
one one bias will run a two for one for part of the year or find a coupon um, for the open water classes um, you know so keep your eyes open if if money is if you're not doing it because of because of money there are ways around that too there's there certainly is now on the discover scuba you know you most likely they're going to do it in a pool uh, or am I not in a pool, of course, in a pool or in, in a body of or water. Or a tennis but, court. Or a tennis you court. You can do it in a tennis court. You just, you know, <laughs> large cup of water, waiting pool. Uh, seriously. <coughs> Excuse me. So, but it's going to be warm. So they're, you're, you're most likely not going to need a wetsuit. You know, you'll, what you'll do is they're going to introduce you to the gear. So they'll have some fins. They'll have a mask. You most likely won't be messing around with a snorkel. They'll have a BC probably already put together. You're not going to have to put your kit together or worry about organizing it. And then they're going to give you a quick introduction. You know, they're going to say things like, you know, how the regulator goes in your in your mouth. They're going to let you breathe in the regulator. They're going to put you in the BC, and then they're going to get you know get you in the pool. And most instructors are trained that they need to be by you. When they do the discover this discover scuba, it it's uh, I've seen videos of people doing it out in the ocean, the open water, and you know everybody's got their own tra- training technique. But the best ways to do it in a confined place, uh, so you you can't get into trouble, or if you have a question, somebody's right there. And and there'll be a variety of people there. You'll have uh, they might have eight scuba kits, and they might have sixteen people. So you're gonna swap off, try it out, and you really want to go through this just to get an idea if it's something that you like. Uh, you know, and, and if you have a bad experience, you know, let them know if there's something doesn't feel right. or you, you know. And, and another thing about scuba is you don't necessarily have to know how to swim. I have a couple friends who are certified divers long before I got into scuba. And you know, I, I think they can float because there is a part when, in some of your advanced classes where you do have to swim. But they are not what I would call strong swimmers, and you don't necessarily need to be a strong swimmer to uh, to do scuba. So, Jim, no, did you, did you, you do uh, did you do discover scuba, or did you just do the uh, class? You know, no, I didn't. I I I knew uh, that I wanted to do it. Um, I wish I would have had an opportunity to do the discover scuba beforehand. Um, but it couldn't have gotten me hooked any better um, because it was great. The first breath you mentioned, breathing underwater for the first time, the first breath off of a regulator under the water when you can look around is amazing. Um, it's it's totally uh, otherworldly, I guess. It's, it's terrific. And the Discover Scuba class, uh, my, my kids – have participated in that and my wife has gone through um and my one son my oldest son decided to uh, get certified as a result of that and we went ahead and did that and uh, uh the others not ready yet but that's perfectly fine too it's not something that you know you want to you want to do just because somebody else is doing it you want to do it because it feels right for you um and they'll come around i'm sure Yes. So if, say, you've taken your Discover Scuba class and you really enjoyed it, then the time is to take the next step. And, you know, you're going to, if 
if you know the person who did discover discover scuba class with you is most likely going to be one of the instructors going to be ready for the other class. So I would use that discover scuba not only as a gauge for did you like scuba, which we're betting that you do, but also did you like that instructor? Don't feel obligated because you took to discover scuba with dive shop A that you can't do your your actual scuba certification, your open water class with dive shop B. I mean, you are the customer, you're the consumer. You get to decide who you're going to use for that. There's there's no uh, you're not obligated to that discover scuba uh, class, you know. But if you do have a good experience, then why not use them? I mean, right. they they didn't make any money off of you. They they loaded everything in the truck on the gamble or the risk. <clears throat> excuse me, that you were going to enjoy scuba. So if the instructor was attentive, he explained your questions, then, okay, let's let's go on to the next step. And some shops will sign you up right there because, I mean, obviously that's why they're doing that Discover Scuba for free or near free. Uh, and uh, go ahead and sign up for the course. In the case of Jim and I, uh, our wives actually bought it, and it was a two-for-one deal, which it works out great for the shop because – you know, the reason they're going to do a two-for-one deal, and even if they don't offer one, mention it. Say, if I get a buddy to go in the class, you know, can you discount it? I mean, maybe they'll only discount one of you, and you make your buddy pay for the whole thing, or uh, you can split it. <laughs> so, oh, hey, Darren, that reminds me. I was going to ask you about taking the next <laughs> class. We got a two-for-one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. So, so, yeah, go ahead and talk to him because, you know, as you go through the classes, the initial classes are less expensive than the other classes. And the reason is those initial classes are really subsidized because there's going to be things that you're going to buy. Now, in the Discover Scuba class, and we took Patty, to take that class, you're going to have to start buying your own gear. So you're going to have to buy a mask. You're going to have to buy a snorkel. Uh, you'll have to buy a fin. And I think they required booties, but I think if... Uh, I don't think that's uh, across the board that you have to buy booties. Now, Darren, did, yep. did you say for the Discover Scuba or for the open water? I'm for sorry. For the Discover, said, there is no purchase no, required. No, if I said Discover, I meant open water. For the open okay. water, yep. then you, 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 so that's the gear you're going to have to buy. And you don't necessarily have to buy that at the shop that you do the class with. I recommend that you do because really this gear buying is part of your initial instruction. You know, it's the fit, uh, you know, and, and don't, you know, if they, most dive shops going to have a variety of stuff. You're going to have to get stuff that fits you, but, you know, challenge them. If they've got uh, a $60 set of goggles and they have a $200 set of goggles and all the, you know, they decide the $200 set of, go dollar set of goggles is the right fit for you, you know, question them on it and, you know, and ask, you know, do you believe them you're still a consumer you're not obligated and you can even buy all your gear someplace else and still do the class but w wherever you get your gear we're encouraging you to get it done local uh, and and get it from a dive shop because that you're going to want that dive shop there to support you as you dive local that's where you're going to get your your tanks filled so you're going to get your gear serviced so if you go online and you buy everything on an, an internet website you know it's a little bit of buyer beware and then who's going to service that when things don't work out. Uh, also, there's difference in quality. 
You know, if you go down to the uh, local big box retailer and you buy their their summer snorkel kit and you got everything, you know, the snorkel, the mask, and the fin, thirty five bucks. You know, that might make get you through the that might get you through the class, amazingly enough, but it's not going to get you through a dive season. That stuff is just not going to last. It's it's meant for somebody to be playing around, having a good time, and uh, they're pretty much disposable. I, I would agree, and I did that with some of my uh, personal gear, um, which, again, I think we talked about this in the past. I'm I'm replacing it now. Um, now that I've gotten to know, A, what I like more. Oh, I got a leg cramp. Uh, i got to grab my fin tip and stretch it out. Oh, mama. And uh, But I'm replacing those... Uh, those pieces of gear either because a i know that i want something different i know what i like now and what i need or b it's you know it really is kind of substandard stuff and it's not holding up over the long term way that a a more expensive higher quality piece of gear would and that's that's very true yeah i've i've been fortunate i've i've got to save a diver kit in case something breaks because i always believe something's going to go wrong but uh, so far, you know, knock on for Micah, I've, uh, you know, my, my gear's held up pretty good that I've bought. The stuff that I haven't lost, <laughs> you know, even the best gear you can accidentally lose at, at some point in time. So, you know, for that, for that first class, that's what, that's what you're going to get. Uh, and there's going to be also a classroom part. Uh, there's either going to be a book that you can buy. Or you can do the the course I understand entirely online now, and uh, I think that's that's an interesting option to be able to do the the online course. But you're going to have some book work and class work and testing, and then you actually get into the dive and pool time, and that's where you really start going through the drills. And this is just to help you, you know, reinforce. You're going to learn how to clear your mask. You learn how to breathe the regulator, how to kit your gear up, how to work with your buddy to make sure that they're doing everything. You should understand your gear and their gear and and how all that works. And you're going to just start repetition, this skill training. So you're going to have a couple pool sessions. You're going to have so many hours in the pool, depending on the certification and the instructor. And then uh, there's going to be a time where you're going to, you're going to, you're also going to go and do some depth. You're going to practice clearing your ears and clearing the ears was, one of the things I thought would be the easiest for me and ended up being the toughest. Uh, I, I had a hard time that first time down. I thought since I had gone up in planes and, uh, you know, changed elevations that, you know, my ears popped and you know, I had, my sister used to always have a heck of a time with that and I never did. So I thought I'd be fine. And I under, vastly underestimated what I was going to have to take to, to do the clearing. And I'm not saying it's difficult. You just, right have to do it and you know if you start going down and you feel pain you come come back up don't right uh don't go down and 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 signal they're gonna you know part of your education is going to be on the the hand signs and signals so uh you know be it make sure you communicate that you're not feeling that you're not equalized they'll take the time don't don't feel like you're asking a stupid question it's your class you want to get the most out of it that you can right it's a it, it it's a learning experience, um, and the uh, equalizing do it before you even think you have to. Um, 
I found it best for me to constantly be equalizing every few seconds as I'm as I'm descending. Um, that helps me to have any prevent having any large um, changes. Yeah, definitely. And and it's and once you figure it, so don't be discouraged. I I, I follow people on Twitter. I'm I'm constantly out there looking to see what the buzz is on scuba, and yeah, I, I'm always tweeting somebody back because they said, oh my gosh, my ears hurt so bad, I don't think I can do this again. And uh, first thing is don't go to the point to where it hurts. That meant you you did something too long uh, and then stop soon enough. Yep. yep. So, you know, uh, back up, make sure you've healed. You know, don't hesitate to go to the doctor and get it checked out because you could have had something else. Uh, if you've got an ear infection you're not aware of, if you had a cold that wasn't clear, uh, you know, those are, you know, congestion. Those are things that can cause you some ear problems and you might not even realize it before you dive. So make sure that you get that checked out, but don't give up on that because everybody who dives that has that, you know, problem equalizing overcomes it very rapidly. Before you get your certification, you will be able to clear your ears and that will no longer be an issue. And it never is again. You know, that's, that's something that you, that you have a problem with maybe on, you know, pool dive one and two, but you know, when you're out in the open water, you won't have a problem. And that's if you don't make a mistake. If you do something stupid and you dive when you're completely congested later on, then you, you can have problems. And again, they're going to cover that in the training. So we're not going to obsess on all the book work and stuff, but you know, go ahead and, and stick with it. And then the, depending on the instructors, they're going to schedule an open water dive. Some of them like to do it close to home to the pool uh, some people will actually go and do the open water dive on a vacation they'll do this initial work and say it's the winter up north and you really don't want to have to be doing a cold water dive or or travel you know by car for two hours to get to a better location uh, they'll actually fly to Bahamas you know I haven't done it that way so I can't speak to it but my thought is I want to continue in with my original instructor but, you know, if you are going to do that, I would have that instructor recommend somebody or maybe even better yet, you get to take a, a trip with them. You know, maybe maybe your your instructor has a program where they, they all go to a, a warmer location. You, you can go ahead and, and do that open water. Up here, uh, the, the who we got certified with, they actually dive at a local quarry over in Ohio, the Gilboa Quarry, which we, you hear us mention from time to time. And the reason they do that is because not only it's got some nice platforms for the instructors to train on, but there's actually something there once you're done. You're not mm -hmm. just out there. There's they got a helicopter underwater, they got a bus, they've got a plane, uh, motorcycle, fish. Yep. fish, aquatic lives, submerged trees, you know, old relics from when it was a quarry. So you get to actually see something. So you it, it they they want they want that experience to be as as good for you as possible so you continue on in your dive career. Uh, so, And then beyond that, there's some other classes. There's going to be uh, advanced open water. There's going to be specialty courses, night diving, uh, wreck diving, ice diving, cold water. Uh, you know, you can get your, your rescue diver certification. Uh, and you can go all the way up to dive master, and that's that's all the progressions. But you know, at when you get your certification card, is the open water, and what that certification card then does 
is it is recognized so that you now can go and rent and get air fills. Uh, now, Jim, what is your feeling on gear before or after your certification? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's depends on which day. Um, you know, <laughs> I would have liked I would have liked to um, have had a consistent set of gear for my pool training and my um, my open water um, certification dives for the simple fact that I didn't have to relearn the BC. You know, I was already having to concentrate on everything anyway. There was nothing second nature about anything from, from gearing up. It was all new to me. Um, so I would have liked to have had some consistency there. But on the flip side to that, Darren, I really didn't know what I, what I liked or what sort of diving I would be doing. Um, you know, in, in it's kind of like, uh, uh, heck, I don't know, different types of cars or, or, uh, you know, um, something like that until you know what you're going to be using your gear for, you don't necessarily know what gear is going to, going to be right for you. Um, fortunately for me, my, my, my initial purchase of the big stuff, my BC, my wetsuit, things like that, um, the folks at our local dive shop took care of me and, and put me in the right direction on that stuff. And I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, overall with, with what I've got. Um, now I'm moving into some colder water stuff and that leads to some specialized stuff like we talked about with the regulators and, and things like that. Um, now the stuff I bought, um, for my, my personal gear for our, uh, certification class, you know, that stuff, uh, it, it got me through, but I, I, again, I outgrew it relatively quickly. Um, so I don't know. You know, I guess that's about as uh, foggy of an answer as I can give. I, I haven't made up my mind. Um, what do you think? I, what, what's been your what your thoughts on that? You know, I I kind of went the the other route because I I don't like have to buy stuff twice, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know what I need. And then partially, I didn't necessarily have the money. You know, because right. you you can go in there and. You can buy a whole setup, you know, for a thousand to sixteen hundred dollars. You can also buy a setup for sixteen to twenty two hundred dollars, or you can buy a setup for three thousand dollars. And I'm sure that there might be some places that would, you know, or you can do some used gear, you know, for four or five hundred dollars. So, you know, it, it it's it's hard to tell, and and. You know, I would be a little cautious of a dive shop that instantly wants to sell you all that stuff or insists that you have to have it. But on the other hand, I've heard some divers who have really enjoyed diving in new gear. And kind of one of the side benefits of, you know, I I guess it kind of comes down to your financial means. If, you know, and also check the the policy of the store. If, are they going to take this back? Say, Say you go through the class, you'd use it, you dive say even 10 or 15 times on a BC and you just go, you know what? This isn't fitting me. What is their policy for taking that back? You know, yeah, you've used it. If you had rented, you'd paid some money. So I wouldn't expect a full credit, but are they going to let you exchange it or upgrade it to something else? Uh, Because, you know, there's just, there's, there's so many preferences. You know, do you, how do you like the valves on your BC? 
How do you want your backup regulator to hang? How do you want the clip off? Uh, what is your build? Are you losing weight? Are you gaining weight? Uh, you know, where are you, what are you going to be doing? So there's all these little fine tunes and adjustments. And for me, with renting gear, is I got to try everything. You know, I got to try regulators where I could, you know, I could adjust it. I got to try an easy breathing regulator, a tough breathing regulator. I got to try. I've I've been in BCs that frankly didn't fit, and I've had BCs that fit perfectly in a different mm-hmm. condition. So you kind of to get an I- idea of that. So you know the, you know for for me, I liked not having it, but seeing where I if the gear that I'll have at the end of this weekend, I would have absolutely loved to have had that before I started my open water certification. But well, I sure, certainly sure. wouldn't have had the knowledge or the money at that point to put that whole set together. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's really a tough call. Uh, you know, so, you know, you know, talk talk with your local dive shop. Talk with your buddies who dive. Uh, you know, and, and, and your and your buddies who dive, and that, that mentions, you know, another thing for for gear is uh, if you can get into a diving club. Local diving clubs are great. And one thing they're great about is if you're an old-time diver and you've upgraded and you've got some stuff sitting around in your closet, there's some people who probably don't have that or could use that who can buy it off you. Or if you're a young diver, you can go ask these old guys, do they have anything around that they'd be willing to sell. You know, some of these, you know, some of them might have tanks. And when you, when you, like, I'm, I'm looking at Bob and Kurt, you know, I don't know how many tanks between the two of them <laughs> that they've got. And, you know, and they're, you know, we're talking 60s and 80s, and they've got, you know, 119s and, you know, all sorts of odd sizes. And, you know, I so. don't want to say this out loud, but I think there's a, a bit of a problem there with, uh, <laughs> having so many tanks but no well, they, they, I, I, they wouldn't be scuba obsessed would they Ooh, that's a thought i that's think thought. they may be they may be see so that's that's a that's a risk of this is you become obsessive and, and you collect so if you have that personality you collect all sorts of stuff then then uh, this is right up your alley so yeah but they've so they've got all that but you can you know they'll they'll help you you know some of those guys like i've you know i'm i'm getting my primary reg and octo uh, this weekend, so I'll have that all set. But I'm still going to go out and buy used backup set for uh, maybe a drop tank or, or something. So yeah, sure. yeah, get with that scuba, the, some of the local divers, and they're also a good wealth of knowledge. You know, something is uh, you know you have to make your own judgments for yourself. You have to be independent, but to be able to weigh those questions off these experienced divers is awesome. And yeah. And and they've got experience diving in the conditions that you're probably going to be doing most of your diving, unless you're a vacation diver or, you know, that. But if you get into a local dive club, those other members, some of the senior members can can say, hey, I've tried this. I didn't like it. Here's why I didn't. Or, hey, this is great. You ought to give this a try, and I think you'll feel the same way. You know, those experiences really are are priceless um, in 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 learning and gear selection. And it, it works out so great that way, just just to have that as a, as a resource. Uh, now, we talked about, you know, what some of the money you're going to expect. Uh, I think I spent for that, for my open water course, 
after paying for the course, I was probably about $150 between mask, fins, boot, maybe uh, just a little over 200 by the time I got the incidentals in. Uh, for the open water dive, we went to a quarry, so you had an entry fee for the quarry, uh, which was, I don't know, was that $20 for the weekend or something? Seems to be about yeah. right. Yeah, you know, we had the gas, you know, that was the way. we uh, Because it's a multi-day, you know, we had to get, uh, I think it was five dives in or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had overnight, so we had a hotel stay. And then I rented my gear. And my gear rental, I think, was like $40 for the weekend. So, you know, it's not expensive even if you don't own your own gear. And then I've been spending anywhere from 18 to $22 every time I dive, depending on whether I'm doing one tanks or two tanks, renting most everything. Now, uh, some of the first purchases after getting certified was, uh, you know, a wetsuit for your climate. You know, we bought a, I bought a 7-millimeter because that's what we dive in up here. But you could be buy, dying, buying a, a three millimeter or five down for mm-hmm. your locations. And then I also bought a BC. So I don't know if that's the the normal progression for everybody, but that's what it was for me. And then right. now I'm just now finishing it up with regulators, uh, gauges, and I'm actually buying two tanks. So... I'm going from where I was spending, you know, $20 every week and I'm diving to other, you know, just my air fills. Right. Right. Now, it, based on that, um, what would you say if you started out as a diver um, should be your first piece of gear beyond your personal gear, beyond your mask and your fins? Uh, would you say it would be a regulator set? Would you say it would be a BC or your environmental protection, your, your wetsuit or dry suit, uh, what would you think would be the, the first most personal piece of equipment? I think the personal, as far as organization and fit, is the BC, but mm-hmm. I think I went right with going with the wetsuit. And actually, I bought my wetsuit and BC within a day, well, within hours of each other. <laughs> I yeah. went and bought the, the wetsuit, and I was like, I don't want to spend that much, and then after checking with the boss, i.e. my wife, she said, uh, go ahead and buy the BC. So I bought a used BC. Right. I would have liked to have gone new, but mm-hmm. the BC I would buy today would be different than that BC I bought last spring. It would Because have... you've grown. You've, you've Not that you've grown. I yeah, mean, I, I, I put out I mean, 400 pounds. You're more, you know, you've gone from being a, a, a total novice to a rookie or a, a a beginner, intermediate, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're moving through and getting that knowledge of what I like, what I don't like, what I expect, what I don't expect, and th- those sort of things. And that only comes with time, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, the, the, so I, I'd have to say the wetsuit. The wetsuit is what, because that's the thing that, it's what's coming in contact with your skin. I mean, I'm not a germaphobe, but if I was, I mean, that would be the thing that I want to know it's been taken care of, it's been rinsed out, it's been hung up properly. Plus, it varies. I mean, one size isn't the same size every single time, and you get your wetsuit. It's like your own tuxedo. You know, if you're renting it week in, week out, you know, it's just nice to have that. And you can get it dry. You know, if you're renting a wetsuit, 
it may be wet. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. it's not <laughs> just because we're going to get wet into it. It could be that it that they yeah. just, they just did a dive the night before and they hung it up in the shop and you know yeah the air conditioning is helping dry you know the dry dry takes moisture out of the air but that wetsuit it's going to take a a good day and a half to dry out so it's going to be a little damp so it's nice having your own uh, dry suit and then the BC because of you know the pockets and the layout it's the one that you know I you know because I'm going to be buying my second one probably here in the next six months to a year. And it's going to be nice to have that. So I think the used route for me ended up being okay. I wasn't quite sure that first couple dives in that used one. It didn't, you know, I don't know if I just figured out how to put it on or if I was doing something wrong. But I remember that first time I came up out of the water, I had that, that BC was almost up to my neck. And mm-hmm. I, I can't figure out what I had adjusted wrong. Now, maybe I did put on some weight, just gave it a gut to, to <laughs> cinch it or something. Uh, and then, you know, the regs. You know, you know the the reg I think is is a very important piece of gear because that's your your protection. You know, having that regulator, but it's it's also the thing that a dive shop who rents them has to keep very well maintained. Mm-hmm. So, and it's also a good opportunity if you have a reg that you like, you've been renting it, and you just you know ask that dive shop. Some dive shops, you know, in fact, some many really good dive shops do 100% replacement of all their gear every year. In fact, that's what my BC was, was a rental BC that they just were taking out of the rotation. Uh, and, it's, and the same thing with regs. You know, negotiate, say, hey, you know, you know, do a quick service for me on it, and I'll give you, you know, X dollars for it or something, see what kind of deal they can they can work out. Uh, I, I, I'm buying new for my first regs just because it's, it's one of those things I think it's that important for me. And I plan on having it as one of the one of the pieces of gear I use the most, the longest. You know, so I'm going I'm going with even though I'm not doing tech diving now, I'm going with a regulator that I'm going to be able to to maybe not complete my tech diving pursuits on, but you know get at least started a good amount of the way. Right, something to something to be able to to move with and grow with. And then for accessorizing, you know, if you, there's plenty you're going to be able to accessorize with. As you go in other classes, you're going to have gear that you have to have. You're going to, you know, the advanced courses, you're going to be buying a slate. You're going to be buying a dive knife, a uh, safety sausage. The None of these are substantial purchases, meaning they're all going to be under 100 bucks in the most case. Uh, you can spend more, like in the case of a dive light, you can spend a complete package with primary and backup dive light for sixty dollars, or you can spend eight hundred dollars on a dive light. You know, so it, it's up to you and your taste and your ability of what you can buy as to what you need and and also what you're going to be able to do with it. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's great to get out there, uh, get started, get in the pool. Uh, get your certification and uh, start diving you know what are you waiting for get out and do it yeah yep and so with the season starting it's good time yep and and i i don't pretend to be an instructor you know we're just getting started on this but if you have questions go ahead and jump into our forum uh send us an email we have links up there follow us on twitter ask some questions uh you know if if, if it's a question that we know we'll answer if not We'll find somebody who can or get you 
connected in the in the direction. I mean, I mean, I'll even go to the point of, you know, if you're out there, I'll call a dive shop for you and find out, you know, what they got and what they offer. You know, we we want you to go out and dive and, and enjoy the sport that's given us so much pleasure. Yeah, it is. It is really an amazing hobby. Um, it it's best to experience it yourself. Words really don't do it justice. They don't. So, and then of course. Uh, go back through. If this is the first episode you've listened to, uh, go back and listen to some of these other Scuba Obsessed episodes. Look at the other ones in the future. Uh, we put the show notes out there so you can kind of get an idea of what, uh, you know, what the topics are. So, and we're going to jump around. We're going to be a little eclectic, a uh, little off the wall. If you if you have something, you you have a question on, go ahead and send it to us. And that will also give us ideas for topics. You know, we're going to start putting together little mini portals and bits of information. Uh, I've thought about putting together, you know, a, di- a dive gear selector. You know, what are your options? What should you choose? You know, where do you think you're going to go? And you can start uh, buying your gear and anticipating to head to that way. So I think we've put that that one to, to bed for the night. We, we, we killed that topic. <laughs> So as it were, yeah, 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 and and maybe we'll come back and visit it again, and uh, or maybe we'll just go into a little bit more of an advanced topic, you know. Okay, I'm a, I'm a rookie diver now. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and it might be neat to go into different uh, gear items individually. Um, you know, you could go through a whole host of things about any one of those items how to pick out a wetsuit how to pick out a a bc what what are some of the different things um you know when i when we first started boy i there were so many options it it was kind of mind-boggling it is so uh, don't let it intimidate you you know you know don't rush if you you know if you if you feel uncomfortable Take a second, step back, take a breath, uh, you know, gain your composure and and figure out what you want to do. Uh, you know, this, this there is risk to diving. Uh, you need to be in shape. You need to be in condition. You may have to, you know, there's, you know, one thing when you go and sign up for the course, there's going to be a medical waiver you sign. Uh, you know, if you're concerned with that, get a copy of that waiver in advance and take it to your doctor and say, am I, am I in good enough health for this? I'm going to right. bet that you are, but, you know, of course, I don't know who you are. I mean, you may have circumstances. We had somebody uh, Twitter us, and they had a back problem saying, I have a back problem. Can I dive? And, you know, my first thing was, well, you know what, ask your doctor. But my instinct is that they can dive. They're just going to have to make some adjustments. They're going to have to right. make sure that they have gear that isn't going to make it worse. It could depend on the type of back injury that they have. Uh, you know, there could be a certain back injury where, no, you can't. But also one thing is you're going to be neutrally buoyant in that water, so that weight's taken off you. It's it's actually, you know, as we listen to, uh, you know, Dive Heart, you know, they're having quadriplegics and paraplegics dive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't think of anybody who's got a worse back problem than somebody who's paralyzed. Right, and they're finding that it's got some... Uh some using it as a rehabilitation uh, yeah. type thing too because of the pressure and things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, you're, again, your doctor is the best one to call that. Exactly. So, so, but don't, don't avoid it because you think you can't because of a medical condition. Find out, 
You know, there's nothing worse than some opportunity that you miss because you just were uncomfortable or afraid to ask the question. Just find out. Let's just go do it. Get out mm -hmm. there and get diving. So let's head off into the news. Uh, did you did you get the, the links, Jim? I sure did, and I'm going to have to pull them back up here again. <laughs> uh, some of the stuff kind of uh, uh, I had seen some of it before and some of it is totally new news 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 new news new news um what's that saying you know the history is only the is just only the news you don't know or something like that it, mm, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't heard that one. Oh man okay so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much over that cough. It's a good thing you don't smoke. Yeah, I, many people have said that. So uh, the, the, the first one is the Human Rights Court Rules Against the Vro Maria Divers. And this is, you know, this is an unusual, to me, from a U.S. perspective, it just seems so unusual that that people trying to claim rights to a sunken ship are are somehow going to the human rights course courts so uh, what has happened is the human the human the, the European Court of Human Rights has rejected a claim made by a group of divers against the Finnish state concerning a ship that sank in Finnish waters in the 18th century uh, so what it was is these divers found the wreck of a du a Dutch ship which is the Vro Maria off the southwest tip of Finland. Uh, and what the ruling was basically saying is that Finland didn't violate the divers' rights by forbidding them from raise the sunken, the sunken shipwreck or from taking objects on it. So what it is, these divers, they found this wreck, they took a few items up, and then they wanted to claim rights under you know, maritime laws. Mm-hmm to be able to, to do the ship. And the, ship, the wreck was discovered in 1999. And where the dispute started was between these divers and the National Board of Antiquities. So through a lengthy legal battle, um, and, and really what it is is, and we're seeing this in the U.S. as well, is mm -hmm. that your local, you know, and us, our, our states, uh, are all claiming rights to anything within their waters. And, and that's what appears to be exactly here. Now, I don't know how far out uh, this this body actually went, but uh, what happened is is uh, the, the finders uh, thought that they were engaging in a maritime rescue as defined under maritime legislation, uh, and they brought up three clay pipes, a ceramic bottle, seal, and a zinc ingot from the vessel 99, and they felt that in accordance with maritime legislation, they were entitled to rescue compensation. And that is being the first ones on the site, their entire, to salvage of the entire cargo. And uh, 2004, a Turku district court uh, rejected their claim. The following year, the court of appeals agreed to wreck that the cargo was the property of the state in accordance with their laws on antiquities. And then, the Finnish Supreme Court refused to hear an appeal in the matter in November 2005, after which the only court they had, because they're part of the European Union, was to go to European Courts of Human Rights. So, 
you know, it, it's as with all things law legal, uh, they can appear to be a little crazy. So it just looks like it's completely ran its course. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on the salvage? You know, it's interesting. You, these guys, I don't know if that was their profession or, or what. Um, it sounds like they're, they might be amateurs or, or whatever. Um, but they put the time and the effort into locating this. Um, now, I, I don't know. 100%, I don't know that that's reasonable, but, you know, they certainly are, their time and their effort is worth something, isn't it? You know, I think it is. You know, it, you know I, 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 this is one of those where I'm, I'm torn on. You know, here's a wreck that's been there, and it's sitting there, and then, you know, they find it. Do they get to take everything off it and just hoard it away? You know, and. You know, I, I, you'd kind of like to see it left there so that other people could see it. But then is it really, you know, by leaving it there, is it really going to be there? Are other people going to come along and take it and it's not going to be there? Or what we see here in the Great Lakes, especially recently, is that these wrecks are deteriorating. And while the artifacts are part of a wreck now together, you know, it's great to see it. But all it takes is a couple storms, and that's just a bunch of bits scattered all over the bottom just to be buried and never seen again. Exactly. Exactly. You know, how long is it something, uh, will it be something for them to view? Um, but then again, I'm not for plundering. I mean, you know, the destruction just for the, the, the harvesting of of what's down there, I guess I'm I'm not all for that either. But you know, somewhere in the middle, there's got to be a um, an agreement where, if you put forth that kind of a, uh, you know, it's no small task to find something like that. Um, you know, you shouldn't do all the labor just to have the state come in and uh, and relieve you of of the reward or the the harvest that's that would come from it. Yeah, sometimes what I like to do when I look at these type of issues is take it to extremes. Because really all we're talking about here is it's time. Why is something mm-hmm. that goes down a week ago different than something that went down a thousand years ago? You know, if it went down a week ago, there's a set of laws. It would be, okay, who owns it? Most likely they're still mm-hmm. alive or the corporation exists. And then you, you go under you know maritime or some sort of admiralty rule mm-hmm. on on that property. So, you know, why should it, because it's a thousand years old? And if you're going to say because there's antiquity to it, then, okay, go ahead, put a freeze on it, let them go and do a survey, a study on it, and then when, you know, give them some sort of archaeological window to go through and look at it, and then it becomes yours. I mean, you found it. You you salvaged it. You should get it. Right. And and where we're what we're kind of seeing now is that because us as divers want to dive on these wrecks, there's now an economic incentive to preserve them. So I think that's been getting twisted in these as well. Is is that you know now we've got you know we're encouraging diving. You've got dive shops. You got dive operators who are going out putting people on the wreck. So the value to the citizens at large is it better for it to be left out there as long as possible 
because there's an economic stimulus. Well, yeah, I don't know about if if in this particular case that's going on, but I could certainly see um, in our area that uh, I don't know. Boy, this is another this is another uh, sticky subject, and uh, even uh, on the board or on the chat. Law, we've got uh, Admiralty law should rule, and it's only an issue where the dollars are involved for the state or country. And that part I absolutely agree with. If the state hasn't put any forth to effort or finances to find these things, why should they reap the financial reward of someone else's labors taking it away from them? Um, yeah, I, I kind of like how, uh, in my uneducated opinion, it appears that the UK does that, where, you know, say I'm out farming in my field and I, I come across a stash of, you know, a thousand silver coins. You know, I find it, I let somebody know, they look at it, study it, and then they either have to buy it from me at fair market value or I get to keep it. You know, right. That to me seems to be a compromise where you're protecting the historic, you know, knowledge of it. Because let's face it, there's there's nobody. I mean, you're, you're we're not talking life or death here. You know that that history that is gained from that historic thing there. There's not one life that's going to be saved. There's not going to be one kid fed or one disease cured because of that. Mm-hmm. So. We're just talking about, you know, us wanting to understand history and preserve history. And I and I love personally, I love doing that. But I don't, I don't think that necessarily over overrides, you know, rights and laws that have existed for a while. So, well, if you want to talk about preserving history, there's a a house down the road that's got stacks and stacks of newspaper out on the porch. That's preserving history too, but that doesn't do anybody any good. True. Well, I, I mean, yeah, you know, so it that's it's a sticky situation. It yeah. really is. But, I think uh, I think what we need to do is we need to uh, schedule a roundtable on this and have everybody who's interested come on the show, and we'll go ahead and have it out because I bet we could find uh, a good dozen people with all sorts of reviews. Maybe we'll do our own, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Jerry Springer show, you know, let everybody fight it out. Maybe we throw a, you know, a hidden gold coin in the middle of the room and, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll pretend to be the state and take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we could we could do something like that. So, okay, so let's get on to the next uh, news article. Uh, a scuba team rescues dog from a hole in the ice. Did you get that one? I did. Uh, looking at it. Uh... Uh, Warner Park, where is it, Madison? Is that in uh, Madison, Wisconsin? Yep, it is. Yeah. Falling through the ice on a pond at Warner Park Saturday afternoon, the fire department said. <clears throat> yep, so that was... By the uh, time they got there, yeah, he was holding on to the edge of the ice with his paws, and uh, they went out and, and saved him. You know how horrible that would be to see your dog out there um, I know, just a dog, yeah, yeah, but my dog is part of my family, and that would be horrible. Well, and, and it sounds like the dog uh, had gotten out there because it was chasing some geese, and it ran, you know, out in a pond. You know, a dog doesn't know that that ice isn't thick enough, and 
got out there and you know it, you know do- dogs are pets and they're not like wild animals wild animals will either figure it out or they'll become uh, lunch but yeah, I definitely don't want my that to happen to my dog. So they right. called nine one one, and luckily they had people with the training to go out. And actually, you know, I, you know, some people say we shouldn't be risking human lives to protect pets, but you know, come, you know, having a little bit of experience in in that line of work, uh, it's also nice to get. It's a training opportunity. You know, we're not, you know, the, the what right. uh, what better chance to go through your skills than to actually rescue something because they're out there diving. You know, that dive team, that wasn't their only dive they did in ice that winter. You know, they're they're diving and training all the time. And right. so it's a good, you know, when because you got that element of pressure. You know, that animal isn't going to live if you don't get out there and protect it. So, you know, in a, in a, in a normal training, even though you, you've got an objective, you know, okay, if it takes a couple hours and if you forgot something, then, you had to go back, mm-hmm. no big deal. But, you know, this adds a little bit of that pressure to it. And you get to practice, you know, things. You know, maybe a dog acts like, uh, you know, a, a, a teenager with uh, some sort of, you know, physical ailment or something. You know, maybe there's – so you're, you're going to be able to get some some training out of it. So I'd like to clarify, though, for a teenager, there is nothing that can replicate a teenager besides <laughs> a teenager. I'm, I'm telling you. Um, but, no, I, I'd agree with that in, you know – Perhaps it's cold to look at it from the training side of it, but on, on the flip side too, it's also a pet. It's also you know somebody's got a relationship with that animal. Now, do I think uh, unneeded risk should be taken for an animal? No, I don't. Uh, but these were professionals. They were doing what they'd been trained to do, and uh, you know it was it was not a a high risk uh, environment. Um, I don't believe. And I don't believe that they would have taken that risk if it was uh, unreasonable. I agree. Uh, the next article is a uh, uh, a, a dive group uh, frees a trapped horned shark, and this is uh, the uh, the dive group is actually kind of you know like we have our mud club scuba divers. This is a group called the Scuba Diver Girls uh, out of California. And uh, they they do a lot of uh, dives out there. They're very ecologically driven. This organization I followed them for quite a while on Twitter, and th- they always take video cameras out whenever they're diving. And you know they they always looks like they're having a great time. And in this particular instance, uh, they were they were out diving. This was on the March 10th. Uh, they came across uh, abandoned cages that are along the bottom, lobster cages. And inside hmm. was a shark. So, Very interesting. Uh, yep, it was a horned shark, uh, and uh, th- they were they were actually out. So it, you know, there's a video. We'll have a link out there to this video. And in the video, they're they're out diving, and uh, uh, the sharks are swimming around. They came across this uh, one shark in an abandoned lobster trap, and uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Margo and I, I don't know how to pronounce this other uh, girl's name, uh, Ochi. I, I probably slaughtered it. You know, she can give me grief if I did. Uh, so th- th- then they tried to get it out. And you watch the video and you can see that, that you know, they've, you know, it, it's kind of like just how I imagine it. You know, you flip the cage over, 
and that now you're trying to convince it to get out. You know, it's it's you know the, the hole's there in the middle, and it's going all around the outside, and you know it just can't find it. So she actually had to reach in there and and get it up out of the cage. And of course, that horned shark has no idea that it's it's uh, it's trying to be saved. Um, it's just it's already high anxiety and in trying to get away from the trap and from you and yeah. you know again it's another one of those things where it's a wild animal and yeah, hmm. yeah. so she just she grabbed them by the tail pulled them out and out he swam but uh what they're asking is that uh they they've actually volunteered to go and mark these traps because these traps are actually property so uh, we don't have them around here, so I don't know what the laws are. But I understand is that you can't, like, take somebody's traps. You can get in trouble for it. So, you know, they release this, and they're actually saying they're willing to mark these traps uh, if the owners are willing to remove them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, abandoned traps not doing anybody any good. And I doubt these, you know, these, these lobster fishers, fishermen are, you know, once they lose that trap, they have no idea where it is. Right, exactly. It's it's just debris now. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody takes them up on their offer. Okay, the next one is the X USS Kitty Hawk it is to sink off Seven Mile Beach this summer. And I'm assuming they don't mean that it's just going to sink on its own. Uh, this is in the... Uh, Grand uh, Cayman Islands. Uh, they bought the USS Kitty Hawk, so I guess that's why they're calling it the X. And it's going to become the Grand Cayman's newest dive attraction. Now, is that the Kitty Hawk? Wait, what's the spelling on that there? K I T T I. Did I say Kitty Hawk? I've been I've been saying Kitty Hawk. It's it's Kitty Wake. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kitty Wake. That's okay. It's a now. It's an old uh, reading from the text here. It's an old submarine rescue ship uh, from World yep. War II. Yep. Now that's from what I've read. That was a that was a real experimental time, and you know, trying to get uh, figure out a way to get guys off of a sub um, mm-hmm. that was in a reasonable depth. So that that boat's got some history. Yep. So it's a it's a two hundred and fifty one foot military vessel. Uh, they, they, they purchased it in February of this year and it's going to have to be cleaned, which, you know, you know, a boat that age is going to take quite a bit. You know, there's going to be asbestos on it. Uh, they're kept, they normally kept in pretty good condition, but you know, the, the, I don't know if they have to take the paint off. I mean, I imagine it's got some lead paint. Yeah. What, that would be interesting to look at, uh, in depth on what they have to do, um, now, recently, the one that was sank down in uh, off of the Keys, uh, that's still uh, they're tr- still trying to settle up the the cleaning bill on that one, aren't they? Uh, they certainly are, and uh, I'm sure that organizations who clean up these boats have learned a little bit on that, which is uh, you know maybe we need to get a little bit more money up front or do a little bit better on uh, getting the costs. In this particular case, it's uh, cooperation between the Cayman Island. Tourism Association and the Cayman Island government uh, working together uh, to improve tourism. So 
there's a kind of a, a cooperation on getting the money to do this. It was proposed in 2002, and uh, you know they they've worked up until now to actually get everything together to make this happen. Uh, this Kitty Wake is a five deck, 220 ton vessel. That would be awesome. In in all of the photos, and if anybody out there is uh, dove on one of these uh, artificial reefs that's been out there for a while, um, from what I understand, the life uh, that will be on those after a couple of years is amazing. Um, certainly not junk down there. Uh, it's quickly overgrown, uh, corals and all sorts of marine life, and uh, what a great way to dispose of some of these old, old, uh, old soldiers, really, um, that are no longer useful above the surface that they can give back uh, in their afterlife. And it certainly does. It's actually going to join uh, the MV Captain Keith Tibbets, which is a Russian frigate that was sunk off the coast in 1996, and that was one of the forerunners of their artificial reef movement in the Caribbean. Ah. So it's being sunk in 65 feet of water. The top of the bridge and smokestack will be 20 feet from the surface. So uh, what's interesting about that is that being that close to the top, it's going to be able to get snorkels or snorkelers uh, are going to be able to dive on the wreck. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a friend, and, and, and Jim knows this, uh, this lady too, who just took a vacation and she had underwater pictures, which are absolutely amazing. And so I, you know, as, as you do on Facebook, you know, you poke them and you say, Hey, what was that? Were you scuba diving? And it was just actually snorkeling. But now from the snorkeling, snorkeling is a great way of introducing somebody to diving. So I think it's a, it's an excellent, an excellent mm -hmm. strategy to get it because, you know, snorkelers are just future scuba divers in my book. It's a, it's a gateway drug. That's what yep. that is. Well, and I actually have a, another person at work who, on their vacation this last year, uh, her husband went snorkeling, and she thought, no, I, I can't. I don't want to snorkel. And they're like, no, come on. You know, she's not a really strong swimmer. They threw a, uh, a life vest on her and got her to put the mask to snorkel. And she said as soon as she put her face in the water and saw everything that was down there, all the fish and everything, she ripped off the the, the <laughs> life life vest and then just dove down and she spent you know that afternoon snorkeling and said it was great. So I'm actually trying to talk her into getting into some scuba diving. So this is yeah, that's this, perfect. This is an excellent program. So uh, I, I don't think they can go wrong with it, other than you know you sink it in the wrong spot. <laughs> Ooh, I yeah, didn't mean. The, then it would collect more. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean for it to go there. Yep, and that's an art in itself uh, to be able to sink those so that they land uh, upright uh, on the on the seabed. Those guys are amazing at what they do. They, they certainly are, and they don't always go down right. You know, uh, you you look at some of these these reefs, and you hear, yeah, everybody wanted it on the port side, and it ended up on the starboard. Or they've mm -hmm. had a few that have uh, turtled, gone upside down, and sank that way and so but you know i think there's worse you know as long as nobody gets hurt when it goes down i i think however it lands down there's going to be fine right right okay and our last 
story for the night is Atlantis. Uh, oceanographers find signs of Atlantis, Atlantic disaster 2,000 years ago. And specifically, the scientists aren't saying they discovered Atlantis, but what they are saying is that they discovered evidence that there's been major natural disaster that occurred in the Atlantic Ocean around 2,000 years ago. And they, by what they're seeing, they expect that it cre created a monster tsunami. And what it is, it's the... And, that, and if you've watched any of these nature programs, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's... If you have a large mass of land that is suspended out of the water and it shears off and slides in, now you look at that and you think, oh, well, things fall in the water all the time. But the way the dynamics are of how water moves and displaces this you know, mass moving in the water can create this wave. You know, kind of like the it's like the opposite of a tsunami, or maybe it's actually exactly like a tsunami, where that wave builds and moves out. So it can happen on, you know, you can have a strait that's got hundreds of miles apart, and one side of the strait, this massive land slides into it, and then you see this little ripple goes across the water, and it's kind of like that same, you know, equal opposite reaction. As it gets shallow, that, that wave movement gets shallow on the other side, you end up with a tsunami. And that's, and that's exactly what they've got here. They say an edge of the African continent shelf broke off, scattered debris over 150,000 square kilometers of the deep Atlantic. So, you know, that's just huge off the coast of Morocco. Yeah, could you imagine having having something like that go on right in front of you? Um, powerful stuff. Yep. And they said what's unusual is that the event is not known because I mean, two thousand years ago, there were, you know, that's within written history easily. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and they said the event is not known from any recorded history, nor was it previous previously known to geologists, but is likely to be seized on by people who believe that the lost city named Atlantis exists in an ancient time somewhere in the Atlantic Basin and was drowned by the sea. So the researchers, again, didn't mention Atlantis, but, you know, the article, you know, is, is drawing that the, the connection that many people could. Uh, they said the next step is a search for deposits on the Canary Islands. Um, the landslide was so powerful the debris was pushed 900 kilometers across the ocean bottom during the event. So you know that somewhere there had to have been a wave that crashed. Now it could be the reason there's no recorded history is that nobody survived it. Quite possible. Yeah. Oh, and you know, we've got a lot of stories throughout history of, you know, Atlantis and floods and waves and disasters that, you know, this could correspond with. So it'll be interesting to to see what they find out. I always love these these type of stories. Well, it'll all fit together somehow. We just don't know how yet. Yeah. <sighs> so, oh, I know. You know what time it is now? Is uh, we oh. talked about our next dive. <laughs> That's the best part. It is. So, uh, I, I got that call today from uh, from Bob, Captain Bob, and. Uh, you know, as you know, 
Yeah, he, he's not only is he scuba obsessed, but he's also got the boat. So, uh, th did he tell you what he's doing with the boat? He he did mention that he was having a, having an addition on it. Yeah, it's um, uh, uh, so this this is if you remember from uh, one of the other episodes, it's a it's a fiberglass boat. Like I said before, imagine a jet ski with about 12 to 16 inches all the way around it, which is the boat bottom, and then there's a zodiac, a rubber tube. That goes around that. It's a good-sized boat, 20-some feet. Uh, and what he's doing is he's actually adding a seat to the back. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I wasn't complaining. You know, that wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a bad ride. But uh, what, what I, I think how he sold it to his wife was that it would make it easier to put tanks on. His wife's also a diver, by the way. So, uh, uh, But, yeah, I agree. So it's adjustable. So you can sit on it on the way out. So it's a, you know like another bench, right. uh, and then you're going to be able to raise it up to get it to you know a gearing height. So when you, you can set your tanks on it and put it on, because that yeah that was a little bit you know I imagine a few times we'd get the hang of gearing up in the boat, but that was a little bit of a challenge putting your tanks on kneeling. You know we you kind of put the tank on the the inflatable side and mm -hmm. kind of sit in your bottom and. And crank it, so it wasn't too bad. But you know, well, I would say it was a challenge for us. Um, Kirk and Bob were in the geared up and in the water, uh, lickety split. It really did. <laughs> they had it down. They got yeah. that system down and, and finely tuned. Yeah, they did. So, but uh, so he's he's picking up the boat. Uh, he's going uh, and he's going to meet us, and we're going to dive in uh, over in Cass County. In Diamond Lake, and there is a steamship, as he described it, called the was it called the South Bend? I think it's the South Bend uh, yep. in uh, Diamond Lake. Diamond Lake, and that was uh, you know I, I didn't bring my paperwork down. I should have for the for the show, but it was I think it was found in '77 by a couple local divers. There's an island in the middle of this this lake, and we're not talking a a huge lake. Um, no, it's a it's a small inland lake, yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 got an island, and there's a uh, a ferry or barge that runs between the island and the uh, the shore, and there's a road on it, and you know there's a few houses, and I think there's a club or or resort that's out there on that island, and a little bit off the northeast part of the island is where this wreck is. So in '77 they found it, and then in the '80s they did a detailed survey of it. And it's been a, a local attraction for scuba divers. And this will be our first dive in, in this leak, lake and on this wreck. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. And uh, it, the weather is, uh, is shaping up and, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's water is opening up. The ice is uh, gone. Um, it, it's going to be a good dive season. So, so you, with the ice gone, what's that going to be? Seventy, eighty degrees now? Yeah, in the car on the way there, um, but on uh, the water, I have no idea how long it's going to be. I'm, I'm figuring, you know, mm, man, low forties maybe. What do you think? I, I think you got that about right. I was, I'd, I'd put my money on, you know, maybe forty-two. I'm, I'm uh -huh. thinking. That, you know, do we, do we say it's forty-two? We'll see who's We'll see if you're if you're right and uh, let everybody know next week. Yeah, so that's my predictions. Forty-two. 
Uh, and I'm only going because when we were doing the ice dives, the early ice dives were, it seemed like it was 33 and then the ice insulated it. And then when the ice melting, if that water below was 40s, and we've actually had some fairly warm weather. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not freezing at night night anymore. I I haven't in the last couple of nights I haven't had to scrape my windows. So so yeah, I, th- I think 40s sounds pretty safe. Right. Right. Um, I was I was looking at some uh, information on that. That wreck was actually found uh, in 1976. 76. Uh, yep. The old steamboat South Bend. Yeah, and so I, I, from what I understand is that there's actually a boiler that you actually you, you can dive on and and see from it. So, and, I, and I'll, I'll try it. I'll try out my camera. I'll have to got got that little underwater camera. I haven't had a really good trial of it yet. The last wreck would have been not too bad to try it on, but I was just enjoying the dive so much I didn't snap any shots. So right. And then uh, we'll have to try out the I'll have to try out the uh, this this new scuba vehicle. Right. Okay. Yep. So uh, I'll come by and pick you up. All right. So we'll get that in, and then uh, we went from the best part of the show to the worst part of the show. Oh no. Yep. It's time for the for the uh, bad scuba joke of the week. You ready? Okay, I think I'm ready. Hold on. Okay. You know, and this this is where you can, you know, hit hit mute or, or uh turn your volume down if you don't want to hear this, but uh here's how it goes. One day a diver was enjoying a dive at 20 feet. He noticed a guy at the same depth he he was, but without any scuba gear on whatsoever. Thinking it was odd, the diver went down another 10 feet. But the guy joined him a minute later. Uh, the diver went another 15 feet. So he went 20 feet, 10 feet, now another 15 feet below. And, the, and then it wasn't too long, and that guy joined him again. So confused, the diver took out his slate, and he wrote, "What? The, how the heck are you able to stay under this long without equipment? The guy hastily grabs the slate back, and he writes, I'm drowning, you moron. That's bad. That's a, that's a, that lived up to its name. You you underpromised it on that. Uh, yeah, I I never want to disappoint, or actually, or I I lived to disappoint. I, I I can't tell which. So, well, in either case, you're a success. <laughs> I had to be good at something. So, uh, until next week, everybody go out there and get wet. And above all, dive safe. Call recording has been completed.